2 Peter chapter 3. Our text is verses 14 to 18. We have, within these 66 books, bound up in the one book called the Bible, we have all God's precious and very great promises. Not a single one of these promises is what the false teachers called them. Not a single one is a cleverly devised myth. All these promises are the true Word of God. And we have this promise. Jesus Christ is coming again in power and in glory. He is coming to judge those who refuse Him. He is coming to save every last one who trusts in Him. When that day of the Lord comes, all who are called to His glory are going to partake in the divine nature. When the day of eternity dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts, we will be made new. The question that I want us to consider together this morning, I want each and every soul here to consider is, will you make it? Will you make it to that day safe in Christ? Will you be presented before Him in splendor? Will you become on that day a full partaker in the divine nature that is conformed to Jesus, made like Him completely? Is that where you're going and are you going to make it? See, there are more false teachings in the world and even within the church at large than you can even begin to count. You don't have time to count all the false teachings that are out there. And each one of those false teachings is a powerful current that has swept away many. So are you going to make it to that day safe in Christ? When I was in high school, I was a part of, I know that this isn't really big for, you know, the United States or North Louisiana or anything, but for Ontario, Canada specifically, this was pretty big. Uh, I was part of a youth group that on Sunday mornings had, we regularly had 120 in our youth group. And I just lived with the assumption that all of my peers who were going with me to church week in and week out were really in Christ. Safe in Him. And now today, huge numbers of them have left the faith. And that experience is not unique to my you know, lim- limited life experience. It's by no means unique. Untold numbers that grew up in the church are carried away with the errors of the world and the errors of false teachers. So how are you going to make it? And in addition to that, how are you going to help others to make it and not be carried away by the error of the world? So here's the answer. I'm going to sum it up now and we're going to unpack it with this text. You must start with the Bible. You must be in the Bible until the Bible is in you. And it transforms your life. By the Word of God, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. And you will make it. 
but you must be in the Bible until the Bible is in you. And that's how you live out the faith and come to perseverance. So many people think that once they have put their faith in Jesus, the rest is all just automatic, that it just happens. We might as well sit back and relax and enjoy the ride and be passive. But this is not the message of the Bible itself. Now, you could say, okay, Brother Mike, you're calling us to be in the Bible again. I've heard this before. But have you listened yet? Have you really listened? I mean, is the Bible through the week a regular part of your life? I mean, you're fed with it on Sunday morning, on the Lord's Day as we gather. But it is, is it regularly a part of your life? Are you feeding yourself on the Word of God? You must have that. So have you listened yet? Are you paying attention to what has been said so many times down through the years from this pulpit? Not only from me, but from all those who have taken this pulpit. About a month ago, an engine on a Southwest Airlines flight blew. Probably most of you are aware of this incident, tragic incident. Uh, Some of the, the shrapnel from this shattered a passenger's window and killed her injuring as well several others. And as expected, you know, the oxygen mass dropped down from above every passenger and um, they all put them on. But many of them, I don't know how many, but we have, you know, the, the photographs to show it, many of these passengers put the masks on wrong. All the passengers hear the, the pre-flight safety announcement. You take the mask, and you put it over your, your nose and your mouth, both. And this is, you know, especially emphasized. But nobody pays attention to this. And, and I know from my own experience, I don't pay attention to it either, honestly. Everybody goes about their business engrossed in their phone, looking out the window or trying to catch some shut eye already. And, and nobody pays attention. So when the oxygen mask drop down in front of these people, they put them over their mouth only and not over their nose and their mouth. And for years, airlines have been trying all of these different gimmicks to try to get their passengers to pay attention to the pre-flight safety announcement. But nobody, nobody pays attention because they think, yeah, yeah, I've heard all of this before. And besides, what are the chances that I'm going to need it? Well, in the case of a true emergency, if you haven't paid attention, what are you going to do? You're just going to do what everybody else is doing, right? What are they, how they put that mask on, you know? And then you do the same thing. Well, if nobody is paying attention and everybody does it wrong, well, you can see how it would go. How many times have you heard that the Bible is life and that reading it is life for you? Have you listened yet? Are you paying attention? All the time. Every single day. Many, many are carried away by the errors of the world and by false teachers. These are those who have not got into the Bible until the Bible is in them. We must be different. You must be different. You must live and you must practice differently. Peter stirs us up to the knowledge and the godliness of Jesus to grow in the knowledge and godliness of Jesus so that we will escape the destructive end of the error of false teaching 
and enter Christ's kingdom on the day of the Lord. That's what this whole letter is about. And that's what this final paragraph is about. And so, as Peter has done already, so here, he sends us back to the Bible that we may know the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to read these verses again. And then we're, uh, Ryan read them earlier. And then we'll get into verse 14. Peter writes, Therefore, beloved, considering that the king is coming with his kingdom, the new heavens and new earth are on their way. Considering those things, he says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Back in verse 14. Once more, go to the middle of the verse. Be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. I want to home in on the words that we will be found by Him. That is, we're going to be found out by Him, by the Lord. Peter is not simply talking about being spotless and without blemish today, but he is saying be diligent to be found out by the Lord on the day of the Lord without spot or blemish. So many people live their lives trying to hide who they really are. What they really love. What they really do in secret. So many people spend their lives hiding. Do you? Who are you really? Now, I don't know all of you. Um, we, we have a, a bunch of... Uh, Newcomers here and uh, guests today, and we love that you're here. But I, I can't make the statement, I know you. But there's a good many of you that I do know. Not perfectly by no means, but I know you. And so let me tell those um, what I think you are, who I think you are. I believe that you are Christ's. And Christ is yours. Just as you can see in me, I can see in you that you still have indwelling sin. And yet, because of the Spirit indwelling you, I know that the indwelling sin is not who you really are. It's the old you who was crucified with Christ. And slowly but surely, by the Holy Spirit of God, and your work in Him, you are becoming who you truly are in the Lord Jesus. 
That's what I really believe I know about you. This is who you are. And is it true? Is it true? What you want me to know, what you want others to know about you, what you want to believe about yourself. Is this who you are? You will be found out on the day of judgment. At the judgment seat of Christ. I want to quote from the Apostle Paul. I'm going to quote from Paul a bunch. Paul said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That's 2 Corinthians 5. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that our work is going to be tested and it's going to be disclosed on the day of the Lord. So in verse 14, that word found, it's also used one other place in this letter, up in verse 10, if you would look at that real quick. And there, the word found was translated exposed. That is, when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, the works, the earth, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That is, the earth and the works that are done on it will be found out on the day of the Lord for what the world truly is, for what its works truly are. And you and I are included in that. You will be found out. You will be known. The Bible says that when the Lord comes in 1 Corinthians 4, He will bring to light the things that are now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Paul said in Romans 14, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God and each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Now some of you, who are truly in Christ, are sitting here nervous. Some of you who are in Christ are not nervous. Some of you who are in Christ are sitting here nervous. There may be some, even, who, though they are in Christ, are suddenly filled with dread. I'm going to be found out for who I really am? Why are you afraid? Why are you nervous? If you are truly in Christ, if in your heart you are truly trusting in Him, shake off those fears. Because you do not need to be afraid. If you are in Christ, you are not under wrath. Romans chapter 5 says, Having then been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now not only then, but now and till then, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If the Lord has forgiven you, remember what I read earlier from Micah chapter 7, and we read even as we were singing His mercy and more, His mercy is more. If He has tread your iniquities underfoot, and He has cast all your sin into the depths of the sea, He is not going to salvage them and raise them up to the light of day. Not now and not ever. If you are trusting in Christ truly, then truly all your sins are washed away and put as far as east is from west. Paul's So, when the Bible speaks of being found out for who you truly are, 
It's going, that day will declare whether you are in Christ or not. Simply, black and white, that's what it is. There's not going to be, this is not what Paul has in mind. That you are going to receive, and I'm not speaking mockingly here or anything like that, Paul's not saying that you are going to receive one good crown for every good deed and then one taken away from for every bad deed. So by the end of it all, you might have three crowns on your head or maybe even minus three. That's not what he is saying. He's saying you're going to be found out for who you are in Christ or not. And if you are in Christ, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not need to be afraid of the day that you will give an account of your life to God. You don't need to be afraid. But, you do, by the Spirit, need to be diligent. You don't need to be afraid, but you do. Just like Peter says in this verse, you need to be diligent. Diligent to what? To be found without spot or blemish and at peace. Now, I, there's such a tension here, such a a fine line here, and we can so easily get it confused because we know. First of all, we're saved by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. Amen? That's what the Word of God declares. And so we know it's God's work that has saved us. And Yet, as we are saved through faith alone, we are not saved through a faith that is alone. And though you are not saved because of your works, you will not be glorified with the Lord Jesus Christ on the last day without good works. A week or two ago in our adult Sunday school class, the, the author of the lesson, he, he was quoting from somebody else, but he made this really helpful and I think clarifying statement. It was, grace is opposed to earning. It is not opposed to effort. I think that is really helpful. Grace is, is opposed to earning. It is not opposed to effort. So Peter is calling us to be diligent to be found on that last day without spot or blemish and at peace. But where does that diligence come from? Where does, you know, he said, make every effort to grow. Where does that effort come from? It comes from God. It's not something you conjure up. It's not something you just grit your teeth down and do by the force of your own willpower. It is God. Let me read some Scripture. Paul said, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. He said in Philippians 2, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So what is the power behind your work and your will for good? 
What is the strength behind the diligence that you are called to have? It's God's power. Now, I want you to hear this promise. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul again, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What's the day of Jesus Christ? Same thing as the day of the Lord. When Jesus Christ comes, God's work in you will be brought to completion. Or consider 1 Thessalonians. Hear these promises. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole soul and spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you be kept blameless, He says. And then these words. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will do it. What Ryan was rehearsing back in 2 Peter chapter 1, just as this series was getting started, what God requires of you, He provides for you in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And He promises to bring all of that to completion. So make every effort to be found by Him on that day pure and holy, without spot or blemish, and at peace. The promise of the Word is God will see you through. The holiness that you are pursuing, God promises to produce. What you are striving for, He will satisfy. What He has called you to, He will complete. That is the promise of the Word of God. So as you are to be very diligent, be also very confident. This is what was said, and I need to rehearse this, from the beginning of the letter. Again, Ryan was speaking about this several weeks back as this series got started. What God requires of you, He provides for you. By His divine power, He has granted you everything that you need for life and godliness to become a partaker in the divine nature. You are a partaker in Christ's nature, being conformed to Him now, and you will be made fully like Him on the last day. And so Peter said, because you have these things, because um, you have all that you need to become godly, he said, make every effort, therefore, to grow in the knowledge and godliness of Jesus. He said, be all the more diligent. <laughs> you don't have to come up with the power on your own. Be all the more diligent then to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, the qualities of godliness, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't you see that this is the, the message of the New Testament? You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The requirement of your salvation is not works. The ground of your salvation is not works. And yet, the faith by which you are saved is not alone. It results in good works. By the Holy Spirit within you who has made you a new creation, you, are, you have power from God for good works to be found by Him on the last day without spot or blemish. So, 
Earlier in our text, let's move on to verse 15 here. Earlier, Peter said, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. That is, the promise of of coming again, as some count slowness. Now he says, count the patience of our Lord as salvation. So the Lord's delay in coming is not for slowness, it's for salvation. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. So, again, going back to where do we get started as believers who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and made new creations? To be found by Him. Where do we get started in this diligence to be found by Him on the last day without spot or blemish? We need to get into the Word. This is where we start. You get into the Word until the Word of God gets into you. Throughout this letter, time and time again, Peter has turned our attention back to the Word of God. This is essential if we're not going to be carried away by error, as so many are swept away. Back in chapter 1, Peter said that when he saw, as an, an actual eyewitness, when he saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain, that is, when His glory was disclosed, he saw Jesus in majesty, he said about that, we then had the prophetic word, the Old Testament, more fully confirmed because it had promised these things about the coming Messiah, the Son of God. And we saw that glory unveiled on the mountain. He said, we have the word more fully confirmed, which you would do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That is, until Jesus comes, you would do very well to pay attention to the Bible. Get into it until it gets into you so that you are not like countless numbers carried away by the error of false teaching or the error of the world. Get into the Bible until the Bible gets into you. You could say, I've heard this before. Yes, but have you listened yet? So now, just as before, Peter again thrusts us back to the Bible. There's some something that's really fascinating here, though. As, as he thrusts us back to the Bible again to turn our attention to God's Word, he's including not only the Old Testament Scriptures, but Scriptures written within his own lifetime. And he's speaking about the writings of the Apostle Paul. So this is, this is really fascinating. Uh, and the, re- the reason that this is important is because, well, ro- one reason, it's important for a lot of reasons, but one key reason is these days, you're going to see on cable television, on the, the cable networks, uh, networks like Discovery or the History Channel or National Geographic or something, you're going to see throughout the year these, these periodic criticisms of Christianity, which sound sensible. Things like, they'll say, well, they did not put the, the Bible together until 
three, four hundred, even more years after Jesus had come. And things that could have been included, they deliberately didn't include. And it was all about a power play. It was all about politics. It was all about these men having this power and, you know, suppressing others and so on and so forth. This is one of their big criticisms about the New Testament in particular. It wasn't compiled until a few centuries after Jesus. But look at what Peter says. He says, that the church was recognizing the writings of the Apostle Paul as Scripture within that first generation of disciples. They knew that this was authoritative revelation from God on par with the Old Testament Scriptures, which here he calls the other Scriptures. Then Peter admits that some of the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. And for generations, the people of God have been saying a hearty amen to that. There's a lot that is hard to understand in the writings of Paul. But his point is not the difficulty in understanding these things, but the necessity of trusting these things and the danger of twisting them. Listen, this is the difference between the true church and the false church between true teachers of the Word of God and the false teachers. The true church trusts the Scriptures. The false teachers and those who follow them twist the Scriptures. The true church lets the Word of God speak for itself. False teachers twist it to say basically whatever they want it to say. And the true church lives by the Word of God But the false teachers and those who follow them will be destroyed for how they mishandle the Word of God. Paul had written to some of the same churches that were included in Peter's readership. And everything that Paul wrote concerning, well, concerning anything that he wrote about, that Peter also wrote about, they were in accord with one another. Paul's teachings were in accord with Peter's. And the reason that I was quoting Paul so much earlier is because of how Peter refers to him here. And Peter says that the, it's the ignorant and it's the unstable who twist the Scriptures. So what do you and I need to be? We need to be knowledgeable, not ignorant and stable, not unstable. How do we become knowledgeable? How do we become stable? By getting into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into you and grounds your feet upon the true Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter writes in verse 17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Again, there's only one way to not be carried away. If false teachers will be destroyed for how they mishandle the Word of God, there will also be many destroyed on the last day for how little they have handled the Word of God. We must be different. To be knowledgeable and to be stable, to be steadfast until the long night of this present age has passed away, until the day 
dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts, we must pay close attention to the Scriptures as that lamp that shines in a dark place. Be so diligent to be in the Bible that you can't help but the Bible get into you. Because, you see, just as God created the universe by His Word, so He created you new by His written Word. And just as He sustains the universe by the Word of His power, so He sustains your soul and He grows you by His written Word. But you must be in it so that it may be in you. And then finally He writes, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is what Peter has been doing throughout the letter. He has been stirring us up to growth. You must be in the Bible so that the Bible may be in you and then by the Word you will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace is not just the beginning of your Christian life. It sustains and it grows your Christian life. And that particular grace for growing, it comes, it's poured out by the Spirit of God through the Word of God focused on the Son of God. So we get into the Bible until the Bible gets us and we are transformed by the knowledge of Jesus that we receive here. That's what this book is for. That you may know Jesus the Son of God and that you may know Him more and grow up into His image. Alt's Chapel, you don't need a particular preacher to grow. You certainly don't need me to grow. But you do need a particular book taught in truth. So hear the Bible every Lord's Day. Hear it carefully. Be diligent throughout the week to read it worshipfully, meditatively. Get into the Word until the Word gets in you and you will grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. And when that day dawns, the, the, the day of eternity, the day of the Lord, you will be found without spot or blemish, a full partaker in Christ's divine nature. Last, Peter writes, to Jesus, be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And all of God's people say, Amen. Let it be. Let's pray. Father, we praise You for Your Word. We know, honestly, we confess that we are neglectful of Your Word to meditate upon it, to get it into us, to transform us. And we thank You, O Lord, that for our neglect of fellowship with You, even for this sin, we are forgiven and it's washed away and it's put as far as east is from west. And we, we didn't earn this forgiveness and we never could. But now the grace by which we are forgiven also empowers us to get back into the Word, 
so that the word may get into us. And I pray that that would be the true experience for each and every one here. Help us to get into the word. And Lord, there, there may be very well someone here who has not yet trusted in Christ for their salvation. May they realize that this day of the Lord, the day of accounting, of judgment, and final salvation is coming. There's nothing that we can do to stop it or anything anyone could ever do to slow it down from coming. And I pray, Father, that they would be led to trust in Christ themselves and to repent, Father, of their sin, of trying to control their lives and run things on their own and and doing their thing their way. Lord, I pray that each one would turn to Christ and say, You are Lord. You alone the Savior. You are mine. Forgive me. Make me yours eternally. Father, would you bring conviction where there needs to be conviction? Comfort and reassurance where it's so desperately needed too. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for your great grace toward us. In Jesus' name, amen.